0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, to the ages of all ages, Amen. So, we've been talking about... Gianting about going from being this cute little kitty cat to being the lion that God has made you and I to be. And we've been talking a bit about growth and about different patterns of growth and patterns of growth that are seasonal, like with plants, you plant them and then you harvest them and then and so on, they grow, and then they get harvested, and then they go dormant for a bit, and then, you, and then again, but we also t- talked about linear growth, where people kind of, when they grow up, you know, you and me, we just kind of keep growing, and growing, and growing, and you never kind of start growing, you never grow to a certain height, and then you shrink down, and then you grow some more, you know, usually you kind of keep growing uh, in height anyways, you know, um, in, a, in a linear, in a linear fashion, and we've kind of taken St. Anthony's teachings, as, uh, as, as our model, as our kind of our framework to work with um, uh, on this journey. St. Anthony was uh, this guy who, uh, when he was about 18 years old, his parents passed away. And they left him an enormous wealth, over 300 acres. Uh, It it said 300 or 350 acres, I can't remember exactly. And um, he walks into church one day and he hears the gospel being read where Jesus is talking to the young rich ruler, sell all that you have, come and follow me if you wish to be perfect. And he says, that's what I want to do. And that's what he does. And he becomes... He becomes a master of spiritual life and he becomes a father of monasticism. All across the world, people come to him, philosophers, kings, um, and all kinds of people flock to him for his wisdom and his guidance and so here we are you know also flocking to the feet of saint anthony and learning certain principles from him about spiritual life the first one he told us was that the commandments of christ are the roadmap to spiritual life you don't need anything more than the commandments of jesus to find your way to the kingdom everything else is great can be helpful But all it takes is to hear the commandment and then to do it similar to him. He walked into the church, he heard the commandment and he did it. How many of us have walked into church and heard sell all that you have come and follow me? He heard it, and he did it, and that is more than enough. And if you don't know how to do it, he says, ask the author. The Holy Spirit is the the, the inspiration behind all of the scriptures and is the the moving power that, that had the scripture writers write, and he dwells inside every living Christian. If you don't know how to fulfill the commandments, ask the author, and he can tell you how these commandments apply to you in your day and age, the next thing he told us was that the most dangerous pitfall in spiritual life is regressing backwards. Spiritual life is is a process of continual growth. Okay, it's not a seasonal thing; it's a a, a time of continual growth. And he's been kind of expounding those different facets of that, and we're going to see another facet of this today. And um, from there, he kind of showed us that every time we fall, we bounce back higher by the grace of God. And we have to have faith in that, that every fall is is the opportunity for even even greater glory and seeing God glorified even more than we have already. And we referenced Philippians chapter 3 and got these three points as the mindset of maturity that that... We have to keep our eyes fixed on the goal and to press onwards and not allow anything to stop us or to slow us down and to forget the past. Every day is a new beginning. Saint Anthony would prepare himself every day to die the night before. And he would consider that, that that was it. He was going to meet his maker that night and he would wake up in the morning and he would say, I'm starting to be a monk for the very first day ever. Today. He never said, oh, I'm, I'm this great Abba, this great father, and thousands of monks are under me and all kinds of intellectual people come to seek my guidance and I must know it all. He said, I'm starting the first day of my monasticism today. Why St. Anthony? Because I died last night and God has given me a new day today. So I'm like newborn into my Christian faith today. And the last thing is eyes on the prize. Keep your eye on the goal and don't let anything distract you from it. Then St. Anthony told us that many things in life, you know, you gotta diversify your portfolio, right? And uh, you know, financially and this and that, and there's money people here who are far brighter than me. But the next thing he told us is, if you don't put all your eggs in one basket, if you don't wholeheartedly seek to follow God, you're just not going to make it. It's not that you're not a good person or you're not this or you're not this. This isn't about shame, blame, or guilt. St. Anthony is just telling us this takes all of you. When Jesus says, unless you hate father, brother, mother, brother, sister, wife, children, your own self for my sake, you cannot be my disciple. He means it. He doesn't mean I won't let you. I won't accept you. No, that's not what he means. He means... You're just not gonna make it to the finish line. If you wanna make it to the finish line, you're going to have to put your whole heart into it. And we talked about this last week and we talked about how it seems like such a heavy load of burden. Sometimes Jesus's commandments seem burdensome, but that's because half of me wants to do that and the other half of me wants to do this. So the half of me that doesn't want to do what Jesus is saying finds it burdensome. It's not rocket science. It's pretty, actually, it's pretty simple and straightforward. So it's all about where we place Our value, And we talked about that yesterday and the fear of missing out is is all based on that. If we're satisfied with what we are doing, then we know that there are other options, but we don't really care because we're happy with what we're doing. But when half of me is here and half of me is there, I might be afraid of missing out on what's out there. But one thing is for certain. We talked about last week. I am certainly missing out. On what's over here because half of me is over there and the half that's over there is not appreciating the half of the stuff that's going on over here so God is calling us to be present and to put all of our heart and our soul into what we do and into spiritual life here we are gianting and taking our next giant step forward with st. Anthony this week I want to start with a story I was in my uh, third year of, of, uh, of, of surgery training um, and I was at this cute little hospital and uh, um, a lot of the time, uh, you know, when I would work with, with with surgeons in my training. I didn't know like you know who these people were until I met them and so on. And the first two surgeons I met were these two Chinese guys, great guys, lovely guys. And the first thing they do is they stuck their hand out, you know, I'll never forget this, stucks their hand out, and says, Hi, my name is Victor. One and the other, hi, my name is Ed, the other guy, and they said, I'm Christian. That's how they introduce themselves, you know? In the hospital, I was like this this is awesome i 'm like hey, my name is john i 'm Christian too. I was loving this. I was on, and we just hit it off, and we were like two peas in a pod, three peas I guess in a pod. you know it was great. It got along great, these guys taught me so much, I had so many interesting conversations with these guys. I felt like I shared so much with them. Although, you know, of course, ethnically we were different and so on, but we shared, you know, a passion for surgery, a passion for Jesus, a passion for bringing, you know, Christ to our workplace, a passion for bringing Christ to the next generation. This was great. And so one one of them trusted me so much, that Within a couple of weeks he would just leave me alone in the operating room. He'd say look I trust you if you get stuck Give me a call. I'm in my office Which is not an uncommon thing for surgeons to do But usually with people like in their fifth year of training about their third year, right? Um, I knew what I was doing for the most part, right? And so we had this great trust that that developed between us a few a few a few smiles and laughs when I said for the most part, right? and uh, Anyhow, we got this new instrument called the harmonic scalpel. This thing can like cut through anything, okay? Now, there's a reason that you're not supposed to cut through anything because something you're not supposed to cut might be behind the stuff that you're cutting, right? Anyways, I hadn't really thought that far ahead and, uh, you know, he introduced me to this instrument. I started using it and he said, okay, I'll be... I'll be in my office. He wasn't in his office. He was standing just outside the operating room door, but he knew that the autonomy would really help me to develop. So here we go. I'm taking this guy's colon out with the harmonic scalpel. Zip, 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 zip. Here we go, right? And uh, when you're doing colon surgery... One thing, something that runs right by the colon is the is the the thing that collects your urine from your from your kidneys and brings them down to your bladder, so you can pee it out at a convenient time, right? The bladder is just like a storage spot to, to you know to make us like socially acceptable human beings, right? That's basically what the bladder does. Um, and so uh, one of them runs right under the la- that left part of the colon, and. Um, About halfway through taking out somebody's colon, you look for that tube. It's called a ureter. You look for the ureter. You make sure you haven't cut it um, and you want to kind of leave it alone. It's not easy to repair. It is repairable, but it's not Easy to repair. It's the bane of every surgeon's existence to pick up the phone and call the urologist and say, "I cut a ureter." You know, it's just like it's the it's the shame moment. You know, right? Um, right? And and the gynecologists have a shame moment when they're taking out uh, something and they and they ding the the the, the, the colon or they ding the, the 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 rectum. They call us up and they're like, "Hey, I made a hole in the rectum," and and then the, and then we have to come and fix it. But the intestinal surgeons, that's our shame, right? So here I am, I'm, you know, I, like I, so I dissected the colon off and then I'm looking for the ureter and I can't find it anywhere. All I see is these burns from my scalpel, from my harmonic scalpel. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're doing this all laparoscopically. So on the camera screen, I see this tube staring at me right in the face. And I'm like, oh my God, I cut the ureter. That's what I said in my head. And in that moment, I can tell you, I just wanted the earth to open... I just wanted the earth to open and swallow me up. I would have been perfectly happy, like just dying that moment. Or going back in time and failing all of my medical school exams. I would have been perfectly okay with anything other than being me in that moment. So I called Ed, you know, I'm like, Ed... I cut the ureter he's like don't worry you didn't cut the ureter i'm sure you didn't cut the ureter like a very careful you know resident blah 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 i'm like ed i cut the ureter it's like staring at us right in the face just come so he comes down he looks he's like yeah that really looks like a ureter and i'm like ed this isn't funny you know he's like i'll call the urologist like let's just come let him come and take a look right so we call the urologist he comes he digs around he found the ureter Um, And uh, I've never, I I actually haven't ever cut a ureter in my past life, nor will I now. Um, But uh, I've had other complications as well. And and any surgeon who, meticulous, careful surgeon will have complications. There's a complication rate. We quote it to patients because, because it's a reality, right? But when those things happen, you just want the earth to open and swallow you up. Now, how do you recover from that? With a lot of love and care and therapy from these two Chinese surgeons, these two guys, Victor and Ed, they really coached me. You know, I was really, that's it. Like, I was just not going to come to the hospital again. I was going to, you know, give up my job. I started thinking of other careers that I could do. Like, like primum non no cherry. First of all, do no harm is the motto of medicine. You know, if I'm going to be literally like harming people, then, I, you know, I can, you know, I can do anything else in the universe. You know what? I mean like I I can mop floors I can there's a whole I have a whole lot of skills you know but I, I don't want to do I don't want to hurt anybody I'm supposed to be helping people and they coached me they coached me through that experience and you know how they coached me through that experience they told me some of their complications they told me some of the things that they did that they wish that had never happened um, and they told me, look, like, do you think I'm a bad surgeon? And I, say, I would say no. And they're like, well, once upon a time, you know, I cut a or Once upon a time, I cut a recurrent laryngeal nerve. And that person's voice doesn't sound the same to this day. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, we tell patients before surgery this could happen because it could happen, you know. And if you're going to be in the business of helping people, you have to realize that every now and again, things aren't going to go the way that you wished. And I've told this story to innumerable residents while I was teaching them how not to cut a or how to find a ureter, right? And how and how to, and how to do things safely and how to cope, how to cope with our own enormous regrets. But you know what's funny that I would have never imagined in that moment is that I've told this story over a hundred times. And I'm I'm not ashamed when I'm telling this story. I'd be telling the story to to, to future residents, teaching them what not to do. Don't don't do this because this is how it ends. And you don't want to be there because I've been there. You know, you don't want to go there, right? That's what I never would have ever imagined that I would do. When we mess up, we have two choices, either to fess up or to cover up. And all of us have tried to cover something up before, and oftentimes it comes back to to bite bite us in the butt, right? When you mess up, just fess up, you know. My youngest daughter is one and a half, Zoe, she loves playing peekaboo, and if you play peekaboo with her, it's really cute, you know, but she's one and a half you know when 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 you get a little bit older than that it's not cute when you play peekaboo anymore and sometimes when we try to cover up what we end up doing is just covering our own eyes this concept that if i can't see it it's not there no it's there and everybody else can see it because they're not covering their eyes you know and so oftentimes the most reasonable thing to do is just to fess up saint irenaeus says that those who reject the word of truth will do all kinds of foolish things thinking nobody can see them. But in reality, they're so blinded by their pride that everybody can see everything. Everybody's just too too polite to say anything. And they're the only ones who are living in this madness that no one can see all of the foolish things that they're doing if we mess up All we need to do is fess up. All we need to do is call the urologist. (laughs) St. Anthony says about confessing our fault, he says, humility and continual repentance through the confessing of our sins and lamentation on past ignorance, regardless of spiritual advancement, is necessary to prevent regression. This is the Lord's will. What St. Anthony is saying is this, I will never forget that day that I wasn't so careful that I thought I cut that ureter. I'll never forget the day I put in an eight and a half French central line. That's like the size of a McDonald's straw in a guy's subclavian artery. It's supposed to go in the vein. And that artery is under a bone. So you can't, you can't compress the artery, right? So I made a McDonald's sized straw hole in somebody's artery. I'll never forget that day, right? And I remind myself, I used to remind myself, I put in hundreds of central lines since. I would remind myself of that experience every single time and of what I did wrong. I was literally off by a millimeter, right? But it was that one millimeter. Thank God that patient ended up okay too. You know, you're all saying, thank God this guy went into priesthood, eh? Thank God nobody puts any more sharp objects in his hands, right? I've put in hundreds, hundreds of central lines since, right? But every single time I would remember that patient, I would remember his name. I would remember him so clearly so that I wouldn't make the same mistake again. There's no shame in it. There's no blame in it. There's no guilting in it. There's just, hey, if you're one millimeter north, you're going to end up in the artery, right? So... Be sure you're in the right place. St. Anthony is telling us this continual remembrance of our sins, even after we've confessed them, is what keeps us from regression, is what keeps us on the path of spiritual advancement, regardless of how advanced you are in spiritual life. I remember all the time the sins I was the most ashamed of. Now I remember it as a story. Once upon a time, there was this guy named John and he did this and this and this and that. No shame, no blame, no guilt, but I remember. I remember and it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I know that I'm the same person as that guy. And any day if I let my guard down, any day if I stop asking for the mercy and help of God, any day, I could be there again. I have proven that I know the path that leads over there. I know how to get there. I fit through the door. I've proven it. So I remember. I remember that so that I stay on the narrow path. They're like, they're like, they're like two lungs that work together. In one breath, I say, I'm a beloved child of God. In the next breath, I say, I am a sinner. You know what's really beautiful for this? is the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, He's my Lord. I am accepted by Him. I am part of His family. I I'm, I'm, I'm am I'm a child of God. Have mercy on me, the sinner. In the same breath, I acknowledge my place in Christ. In the same breath, I acknowledge that I could so easily Lose that which gives me so much joy, as I have done before. I'm not saying invent things. I'm saying remember my past. In the Psalms, it says a Psalm which in the, in the in the Coptic Orthodox Church we pray this Psalm like ten times a day. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. But King David, you wrote this Psalm after you confessed to Nathan about sleeping with Bathsheba and killing her her husband. Why? Why? Okay, why? You acknowledge your transgression. That's great that you acknowledge it. But why do you keep your sin always before you? So that I don't do it again. It keeps me humble. It keeps my feet on the ground. It keeps me remembering that I could end up there again. You know there's scientists which, which support what I'm going to say next, and some who don't. But regardless of the science behind it, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have this theory that if you are an alcohol, you were an alcoholic, even if you are in remission, even if you're cured, even if you're always an alcoholic, just in remission. And so, an alcoholic who's in remission probably shouldn't be. Go in bars. Probably shouldn't have alcohol at home. Probably shouldn't, etc. And they teach, and they teach them the people who join Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's not to say that it's the best or the worst or whatever, but it is what it is, right? That it's a lifelong diagnosis. Once you have it, you will always have it. It's not situational, like an illness or something. It is. It's just there. And in in like fashion, in like fashion right because i know that i'm a recovered alcoholic i know that i have no business being around alcohol because i know i'm a recur i'm a recovered sinner i know i have no business being close to sin i really like this little quote that i found it said i would rather go through life sober believing i'm an alcoholic than go through life drunk trying to convince myself and others that i'm not it's anonymous Anyhow, food for thought, food for thought, you know, and there's science which shows that your, the neurotransmitters in your brain get re, get, get reprogrammed and so on and, and all of that. It's about conviction, not about condemnation. I don't know, I don't care what words you put here, okay, but the, 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 the concept is that there's two different things. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, it leads us to repentance, confession, communion, and being reunited with God. When the devil condemns us, it leads to guilt and despair, and our sin remains. So what we're looking for is more of this and less of that. That's why I keep saying guilt is not good. Guilt is bad. Guilt, guilt leads, leads you to shame and blame, and it leads, you to, it leads you to inertia. It leads you to despair and to just wanting to sit in a corner and cover your head and hope to die. There's Nothing good comes from this. Right? We're looking for the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit that may, gives you a desire to change, to have a change of mind. when we when we look at the the prodigal son who returns to his father he says i am no longer worthy to be called your son he considers that his state his place that's a simple prayer for each of one of us to pray lord i'm not worthy anymore to be called your son if we look at another another story jesus tells about the the pharisee and the tax collector the uh, the pharisee goes into the church or into the temple and he raises his eyes to heaven. He says, thank God I'm not like that guy, right? The tax collector standing at the back of the church and the tax collector beats his chest and says he would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven and praise, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Because his sin is ever before him, you know? And that's what God is calling us. That's what St. Anthony is coaching us to do, to put our sin always before us. In the Psalms, again, it says, my dishonor is continually before me and the shame, my shame of face has covered me. What, what the psalmist is telling us here, what King David is telling us here is, keep, keep it before your eyes and it will keep you from sin. Saint Mary of Egypt spent 17 years Repenting, And St. Isaac the Syrian says, nothing is more dangerous than to, to, to depart from repentance hastily for the joy of forgiveness. St. Isaac says, nothing is more dangerous than to depart from repentance hastily, quickly, for the joy of forgiveness, yes, there is a joy in forgiveness, but there is a moment of repentance which is therapeutic to our souls. I've shared this with you guys before, but I can't help to share this with you. You know, being a road warrior and someone who's always running around the city, I get a fair number of parking tickets, right? And it used to, it used to, it used to ruin my day. I get a parking ticket, and I would just be upset for the rest of the day. You know, and what? What I, re- what I realized one day, one day I read a story by St. John about the St. John the Short, where he was blamed for something that he didn't do. And his friend, who was St. Peshoi, um, wanted to protect him, wanted to witness in his favor. And St. John says to him, It's okay, don't worry about it. And St. Peshoy says, No, this isn't fair. And St. John answers him and he says, If I'm going to start asking God for what's fair, I'm going to be the loser. I'm the one who's going to lose out because how many times did God cover my sin and nobody found out about it and it just kind of went glossed under the radar and everything was okay. If I start asking God to be fair, all that stuff is going to have to come out too, you know. And so when I started thinking of my parking tickets like that, how many times did I park wrongly and did not get a ticket? You know, this is the one time I did get a ticket. If I if I'm going to say this isn't fair or sometimes you get a ticket and it isn't fair, you know, and it's so hard to fight these tickets. I've tried. Right. You know, they make it so excruciatingly difficult for anyone who's remotely busy. Right. But. If I'm going to start asking for what's fair, man, I'm going to have like six parking tickets a day that I didn't pay for, that I didn't get ticketed for, right? I'm so much better off the way I am. King David is walking, you know, uh, somewhere, and this guy named Shimei, the son of Gira, starts cursing him. And King David's soldiers say, you're the king, we're going to kill this guy. And they say, King David says, leave him alone, leave him alone. You know, and he's cursing David. He's calling him a flea bag. He's calling him a dog. He's calling him all these names, right? And King David, you know, his, his soldiers can't stand it. They want to go and drive a spear through this guy's heart. And King David says, forget it, forget it. How do you know? King David says to him, maybe God told him, curse David. Maybe he's being faithful and honest in the commandment. How, how do you know? Why was King David able to accept that shame from just somebody in his, in his kingdom, some random guy? Because he kept his sin always before him. He knew what was between him and God, and he knew that he kind of deserved to be called all of those things. Nobody else knows, thank God. But I know, I know the truth. You know, and so it makes it a lot easier to accept the things that come your way. St. Paul says about himself, he says about all of his unworthiness. He says, I'm the least of all the saints. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. He says, I am the least of the apostles. He says, I am nothing. This is St. Paul who preached the whole known world. Wow because he could keep his sins clearly before him. He says, I am not worthy to be called an apostle. When he says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I wrecked havoc upon the church. He could remember all of his shortcomings in the past with complete confidence that they're forgiven. But just because God forgave them doesn't mean that I'm going to erase them completely from my memory. Yes, I may re- forget the overwhelming majority of the details, but I'll keep in my mind that once upon a time, there was a guy named John who did this and this and that. Another example of that is St. Moses, patron saint of this place, right? He had an enormous compassion for sinners and complete non-judgmentalness, completely non-discriminatory, uncritical of anyone. Why? Because he could remember. He could remember from whence he came and that God brought how God brought him here. He could remember that, hey, I'm not perfect. I am the furthest thing from perfect. In fact, it is God's mercy that he brought me here. A specific example St. Anthony gives us, wrapping up here, is controlling the body and governing its desires, St. Anthony says, is, is an essential necessity in the ascetic struggle. Look, I want to tell you something. As a recovering food addict, okay, okay, I know that if I, my relationship to food cannot go back to what it was before but it can go back to what it was before in a second if I allow if I allow it it I will end up here again right so I need to keep in my mind that once upon a time this used to have control over me and never again by the grace of God will it by his grace his power his mercy his help and a tiny little bit of of vigilance on my part. These were just all tons of evidence to share with you about how God loves the humble and God is near to the humble. Jesus himself, when comes to describe himself says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. The universal creator, the one who created the universe humbles himself. How much more ought we to humble ourselves? I'll tell you something. It's not hard to humble myself. It's very easy. All I need to do is look in the mirror. All I need to do is remember some of the foolish things I've done and it's easy for me to be humble. It's not difficult. It's difficult if I refuse to keep those things in mind. Really, really simply here, Scripture tells us humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up God loves to take the person who is humble and has humbled themselves and lift them up the person who wishes to lift themselves up, you know, kind of takes God's part out of the story. Like God has lines in this play and you have lines. If you start saying God's lines, God just stands there quietly waiting for His next line that He can say. It's His line to exalt you. It's His line to glorify you. It's His line to big you up. Don't take His lines. Don't take His part of the story out. It's my job to humble myself. It's His job to lift me up. The psalm that says, I acknowledged my sin and my iniquity I have not hidden. I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. I acknowledge my sin to you. It's enough for me to acknowledge it. No shame, no blame, no guilt, no story, no justification, no, but but I had no other choice but just acknowledge. It's very simple. And the product of that is and you forgave my sin. So I'm gonna give you a really simple model to follow. A really, really simple model to follow. When you mess up, just stop. Just stop, whatever it is you're doing, just stop. This is gonna take you three, five seconds at the most. You can put somebody on the phone on hold for three or five seconds. You can stop if you're walking somewhere for three to five seconds. Just stop. Stop everything you're doing. Abort all processes. Just stop. Pray. Turn to God. Clasp your hands together. Fall down on your knees. If it's inconvenient to do so physically, fall down on the knees of your heart. Humble yourself before your God and acknowledge Lord, I messed up. Lord, I lied. Lord, I took something which didn't belong to me. Lord, I shared information about somebody that was none of my business to share. Lord, I brought somebody up in a conversation in their absence. I just shouldn't have done that. Lord, I wasn't faithful to my wife. I wasn't faithful to my children. You just put your own words in there. It'll take you a second. It's a sentence. Stop. Say the sentence. Accept the forgiveness of God. Accept that you acknowledged He forgave. As simple and easy as that. Then write it down. Write it down so you'll be ready for confession when your time for confession comes. Write it down on a piece of paper that can be burned or torn. Write it down in a, in a, in a locked note on your phone that no one has access to that can be deleted. When God deletes your sin, you can delete it. You can tear that piece of paper up as as confirmation that, that God has forgiven you. But even after all of that, remember, just faintly, once upon a time, there was a guy named John who almost cut a ureter. Just remember. You see... A lot of us are stuck in a spiritual life that goes up and down. And we know it's not supposed to be that way. We know that it's just not, that's not what it's meant to be. Imagine for a minute with me, imagine if your spiritual life didn't just go up and down, but if your spiritual life had moments of extreme growth, and then plateaus where you could kind of establish that growth, and then extreme growth and a plateau, and then more extreme growth, no downs. Up, and then establishment, confirmation, and then up again. That's God's promise to you. That's God's promise to me. Now, don't imagine it just for yourself. Imagine it for a community. Imagine if there was a group of people who never did the same sin twice. Who sinned, they do. But they repent, they confess, never to return to it. To keep it always before their eyes as a reminder to never go to that place again. Imagine what that kind of community would look like. Imagine if this could be that community. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray.